I can do things that wet without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Island, world's biggest barrel of and fun. Anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the wonderful world of theme park design, that is. You've just set sail on a journey of discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and skipping the surface of the emerald waters with me, as always, is theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer at Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Where's the river leading us today, Mel? Freddie, we've got quite an excursion ahead of us today. We're launching from the shores of jolly old England, uh, and we'll stop off at ports of call in Germany, Amsterdam, Denmark, Africa, South America, Legoland, and a galaxy far, far away. Our guest is global-themed entertainment and marketing guru, Ben Thompson. Ben spent the last 20 years in leadership roles at global monoliths like Mars Incorporated, Walt Disney Company, and the Merlin Group, where he was responsible for opening four Legoland theme parks, as well as 40 attractions around the world. There's so much more to Ben's story, but uh, honestly, today as the Chief Strategy Officer heading up Storyland Studios International Projects based out of London, England, Ben's story continues to roll on in really amazing ways. Alrighty, folks, keep your arms, hands, feet, and legs inside the boat, because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. So, Mel, as you've shown me uh, in a variety of different ways, there are projects of so many different sizes. There's little small projects, there's big projects, there's giant, like, city-sized projects. Um, But they all require a legitimate, well-thought-out strategy. Uh, And honestly, the the bigger a project is the more intense that strategy. I mean, you got to think about brand positioning, what what the public face of the project is, you know, how are people going to respond when you say you're going to put this thing in their backyard, um, the different partnerships that you have to develop, investors, tenants, and, and of course, feasibility. Will this thing work? Will this thing be a profitable and meaningful project for wherever it's going to be put? Yeah, I to, to me, it's like, when projects even span borders, it's like playing Stratego. It's like, you know, the old uh, military map, moving things around. Um, strategies is important. You know, it's so important. Actually, at one point in time, I almost thought about starting a, a company called, Strate- I wanted to call it Strategery. <laughs> it was really just, a, just because I just felt like, man, 90% of the the successor, whether you're going to have a project uh, or attraction or whatever, whether you, an experience ever gets pulled off and off the drawing table, is 90% of the answer happens so early on in the process of getting this foundation of uh, strategy or strategy, as I was calling it. <laughs> and you know, when I think of that, I think of the the kind of the the building blocks or the foundational kind of cornerstones, if you will. And uh, you know, it boils down to. Uh, to me, again, this trinity of, of success, you know, of the, the feasibility side working out, um, you know, just making sure that that roller coaster, coaster math is, is in place and that you're not doing something that doesn't fit the, the, the audience, the market, the, the setting, uh, and being able to be willing uh, to be flexible in, in whatever vision is being formulated to, to fit that, that local context. The, the second part is that that brand, that identity, that marketability, that you know what have you. But then, and then the third piece is you know the the actual conceptual marriage of all those elements into something, mm-hmm. uh, and that's obviously where the creativity uh, comes in. And and you know that the big idea is a thing that you know merges all three of those into one uh, thing that kind of you know is the north star and the the the, the beat that keeps everyone you know kind of marching in sync. But uh, yeah, there's definitely an alchemy to it, and you can't start with pretty pictures, that's for sure. 
Yeah, right, right. The pretty pictures aren't going to be enough. You, you, that might get some somebody excited, but it's not going to do it if you don't have a good strategy. Well, today our guest is Chief Strategy Officer for Storyland Studios, Ben Thompson. Ben is a born expert in marketing, sales, and strategy for brands and properties around the world. He led the UK EMEA retail marketing on properties like Star Wars, Marvel, and Frozen. He opened four Legoland theme parks. Crazy. And dozens of sites like Little Big City, the Bear Grylls Adventure, and Peppa Pig, uh, which, you know, warrants a theme park land, I would I would <laughs> imagine. Plus, there's destinations like Kidzania, the Cataratus uh, Group Parks in South America, Europa Park, and Tony's Chocolate Only Projects. Really, really cool guy with a lot of great experience. So let's throttle down for the Themed Attraction Podcast interview with... Ben Thompson. Ben Thompson, it is so exciting to have you finally on the Themed Attraction podcast. Welcome, buddy. Thank you very much, Freddie. It's uh, great to be here. Yeah, it's uh, been too long. I know we've been planning this for some time, so it's uh, great to be here. Yeah, and uh, program-wise, we thought we would uh, have Joe Pine on. He was a great special guest, uh, and you were our special guest on that episode as well. Uh, Thought maybe that we might introduce you before we uh, introduce that episode, but here we are a few months later and ready to kind of kick in and hear your story because you really are uh, an integral part of what happens at uh, Storyline Studios now. Isn't that true? Well, you're literally the third dimension of our three-dimensional storytelling <laughs> pillar. <so. laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've been uh, been adopted, you know, by this new uh, wonderful family uh, around the world and, and on the West Coast there over in um, Southern California. And it's been an incredibly warm uh, reception that I've had for the, the strange British guy uh, that actually... <laughs> At this moment, only a handful of the guys from Storyland have actually uh, ha- had the privilege to meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we we had a very special day to, uh, together um, almost uh, well, over twelve months ago now, uh, down in the Disneyland Resort in, uh, in California in Anaheim, and I had the opportunity to meet with Mel uh, and with Peter and with Blake. Um, uh, but nobody, nobody else has actually had the chance. Yeah, we haven't done the face-to-face thing. So, so where are you at? I am just outside uh, the fine city of London, London, England, um, and uh, I live in a nice little place, a uh, little uh, village, commuter town, uh, kind of uh, 25, 30 minutes outside from the, the city centre. Wow, wow. So that kind of makes you like the Storyland Studios uh, Europe, I guess, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I'm uh, I'm representing every, everything to to the right of uh, of the USA. So every, everything east of New York and across the seaboard yes. uh, is uh, is is my responsibility. It's just a small area, little regional area there called the rest. Well, of the right world. right and left are relative here in, uh, in <laughs> the, the rest US. Of the world. So, uh, we 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 get that. We can see which direction you are. Well, that's really cool. Great. It's so cool to know that you're um, bringing so much greatness to the story. Oh, well, I don't know about bringing greatness, but I, I certainly um, I bring a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, I, I absolutely love this industry. I've uh, been involved in, uh, in uh, creating experiences in the theme park and visitor attraction world and kind of content entertainment for uh, over a decade now. Uh, it wasn't where I started my career. Uh, I actually started in the, uh, in the consumer goods world with a little company called Mars. Oh, uh, yes. Make, uh, make very nice candies. Uh, like uh, like M and M's and bars and maybe we need to we probably need to cut this conversation short short because I just started the keto diet I can't have any well I can have dark chocolate but with no sweeters <laughs> so uh, uh, maybe maybe I need to just step away otherwise well, the temptation will be too strong. Yeah, you you might you might need to just because uh, I think uh, chocolate and candy is definitely gonna weave in and out of the conversation. But uh, I love the fact that Ben, you and I kind of crossed paths along with a couple of other alumni at the Walt Disney Company uh, as well. And I also love the fact that you were uh, one of our favorite clients before 
you know, before we became uh, friends and, and uh, yes, uh, I, I think um, I discovered the ideal way to to get hired, uh, which is to hire the company <laughs> first. So uh, <laughs> that's a little bit harder, maybe if it had been Google or Facebook, they maybe would have been a bit more expensive to hire. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a great way for uh, me to to sort of see from the outside in, you know, get the client experience of uh, of what Storyland does, and and as you say, Mal, we we had the opportunity to work on Tony's Chocker Lonely as our our first project together. Here you go again. <laughs> and for for us un, uninformed Americans that don't yet know Tony's Chocker Lonely, you gotta gotta introduce them to uh, our audience that hasn't had the joy of biting into one of those. Unequally broken bars. Taste sensation. Available in the USA. Um, I'm not sure whether they're in your, your local Walgreens or CVS. Probably they are by now. Uh, a really wonderful group of people started about uh, 15 years ago by a journalist who uh, recognized the extent of child labor, effectively modern slavery in the chocolate industry, and, and set out, first of all, to have himself tried and, and convicted by the European courts uh, for being a, a choco criminal. Um, huh. uh, raised a lot of uh, PR and awareness, and then set out to create his own uh, chocolate. He wanted it to be the only chocolate in the world that was fully traceable, bean to bar. Uh, he achieved that. There are some great photos still on Google of this uh, the first uh, uh, boat coming down the canal in, in Amsterdam with this uh, this chocolate on. Um, and then uh, over the, over the next uh, 10, 10, 15 years, Tony's the brand was uh, was built, and it's now probably the fastest growing brand in Europe. And, and we had the privilege to be involved uh, in, and still are involved in uh, helping them bring their visitor center to life, Tony's Factory. Oh, that's so cool. It is very cool. Very is cool. there going to be a factory tour? Yeah, factory tour like no other. Uh, it's <laughs> it's going to be a, a head, heart and hand experience of... Oh, uh, that's tremendous. Yeah, the, the bittersweet taste of, of transformation, which uh, was the, the, the Storyland uh, interpretation of this brand. And Wow. It also involves a little bit of a, regarding the, the heart, uh, a little bit of an adrenaline injection with a, a roller coaster launch. Oh my gosh, this, you guys, are, my mouth is watering, not Fun just stuff. for uh, chocolate, but for experience. Wait, we're getting ahead of ourselves here though. I like, tell, so Tony's Chocolate Only is where you came from most recently, Yes. I I, I, um, I did start my career in a, in a candy company, though um, it was um, I wasn't wasn't with Tony. So no, I I had um, I wanted to be a journalist or a, or a history teacher. I couldn't quite figure out what I was what I was going to do. So instead of doing either of those two things, I, I joined a management program uh, with the Mars uh, organization. Still one okay. of the, the largest uh, privately held companies in the world. Fantastic company, and I spent eleven years there. Uh, basically, from uh, from childhood to when I'd had all, all three of my uh, my daughters. At, at wow! The wow! So uh, yeah, I got the um, the kind of the the, the marketing blue chip uh, training, if, if if you like, and uh, got got a good schooling there in in, in sales and marketing. And uh, but mainly, interestingly enough, in pet food. Yeah, that was my that was the, no the segment that I that I worked in. Yeah, brand, brands like Pedigree and Royal Canan and and, and so. Wow! Wow! And so that translated, I, so I, I, I understand the marketing communications leap to uh, experience because marketing, you're trying to share the, the brand, the experience of the brand with, with people. But how did that start to translate into your uh, movement, not just into products, but uh, the, uh, brand experiences? Well, I, I've always um, tried to take jobs that will make my children think I'm cool. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually achieved that. I don't know whether Mel, you you, you probably have done that. But um, uh, when when my when my children were uh, kind of um, three, four, five, six, that sort of age, you know, uh, they were all having Disney parties. I remember they, there was a Rapunzel Tangled movie came out uh, maybe uh, maybe twenty oh twenty oh eight oh nine. Still better than Frozen. Oh well, oh yeah, have some debates on that one. Great movie, great movie. And uh, I remember my youngest daughter had a, a Rapunzel fully themed party with uh, the house was full of uh, dresses and uh, you know dress, dress hair extensions. Yeah, very much. Yes, yeah. so I'm sure we had a few uh, Barbie toys uh, uh, with that one. Other dolls are available. Um, and uh, <laughs> I just thought it would be a lot of fun uh, to go and uh, work in a storytelling company. Um, and so uh, I, I, I did move the family down just to where we are now and uh, spent uh, five years working in the UK, working across Europe, 
I got to work on little um, little projects like Star Wars Episode Seven, uh, the first uh, Avengers movie, kind of the the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, so worked on four or five of those those movies, and uh, is working for Disney after their acquisitions. Yeah, yep. yeah, ex- exactly, Mel. Yeah, I, I was um, uh, Bob Iger's um, uh, obviously incredibly successful uh, series of acquisitions was kind of really really gearing up there. They acquired uh, Pixar several years before Marvel, just before I got there. Lucasfilm uh, a couple of years into into my time there, and so it was a a, a, a really you know great time in the company's history. Wow. You know, that's interesting. I, I never thought about that that issue of uh, expanding the brand across the globe, that it would be that tough. But I was in Dublin, Ireland a few years back, and I went to the Disney store in Dublin. Uh, and I, I just got into a conversation with a guy who was working there. And the what I found very quickly is that my, my paradigm was changed. I, I thought he would know everything that Disney people know, and yet it was a very limited. It's a he probably hasn't been to a Disney park and didn't know certain things at all ever. And I was surprised by by that, but at the same time, I realized that culture had been sort of uh, taken and grown in these different places. And so, you know, that sounds like you have that same experience. Obviously, the brand has to be expanded to places like the UK, but but what are the challenges there in expanding into different cultures, different backgrounds, different countries? It's really interesting. Um, and I mean, it gets back to the, the, the brilliance of Bob Iger as a, as a leader and as a CEO. Three things, cr- creating high quality branded content, fully embrace technology and become a truly global company. So what what you know I saw that um, how that manifest itself was really they needed to simplify the, the business and say we, we're going to have four absolute mega brands mega franchises if you like which was Pixar Walt Disney Studios um, animation Marvel and Star Wars and those four you know big behemoths of content production. <laughs> really got got their act together, got organized, got strategic about the kind of content that they needed to develop for a global audience. And then they deployed that through the latest technologies, the latest development of, of platforms, things like OTT streaming, the rise, the rise mm. of Netflix, the rise of people like Sky, a, a Apple mm. Music, a, Apple Music, Apple, Apple TV, you know, the way that consumers were changing their con- consumption habits. So the quality was amazing, you know, fully embracing the ways of reaching people with that content and making sure that that, that went across the world. And that's why Disneyland Shanghai uh, was is what what Bob would say is his his proudest achievement because mm. it's the the hardest market and culture. Mm. It's only you know Chinese deep rich culture, but sometimes very unfathomable to to um uh, to, to, to Western minds. Right, right. To, to achieve the launch of something which you know is is uh, u- uniquely Chinese but quintessentially Disney uh, yes. is a uh, you know is a real a real pinnacle of uh, uh, his achievements. Yeah, I I used to uh, have translators on trips I would take around the world, and the best translators were the ones who would not just translate the words, but translate the meaning. And uh, in as you change cultures, meaning is is what it's all about, not the words. Yes, yes, that, that that's right, and and I mean that really is what inspired me, and what inspires me now around what what, what I think of as strategic storytelling really it's this sort of you know the, the combination of you know the those that data led you know the business metrics thinking carefully through you know those those investment choices and often you know uh, we'll, we'll all work um mel and myself and the rest of the team will work with investors who are putting significant sums of money into land and destination development or into uh, you know attraction development they want to make the right choices you know they want to know that their partners have really thought through you know how we're going to grow at this this location how we're going to generate attendance and revenue and, and, and profitability so mm-hmm. we can have long long-term successful businesses so that's that's part of strategic storytelling the other part's really driven more by psychology you know, it's about you know what what is the space that I can occupy in somebody's mind, you know, through these incredible things known as memories. Right. You know, so I, I I often talk to people about um, love it or love it or loathe it. You know, the Coca-Cola, <laughs> Coca-Cola company probably the most successful marketing um, uh, company of the last sort of hundred. Oh, clearly, years. clearly. 
And, and as soon as I say, you know, the name Coca-Cola, I've already triggered in your mind all, all everything that you need to know to, to recognize that brand, red, the, the color, yeah. either the, the can or the bottle, the swirly letters, depending on what time of day it is, you know, you might start seeing the condensation come down the bottle. <laughs> Or the can before before you know it, you're feeling thirsty. In fact, right now I could I could murder a coke, um, <laughs> and, and and those are those are all those are all um, assets, you know, that, that 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 brand owns in your in your mind. So when we when we talk about strategic storytelling, we talk about design that walks away with you, yeah. memories that walk away with you and last last forever. Yeah, and we and we so appreciate you, you know, raising the bar on that, you know, because when we when we started Storyland two thousand one, right after nine eleven, we you know that vision of three dimensional storytelling of of design basically and stories that you could step into, you know, which is basically spatial storytelling, imagineering, um, you know, and you talk about uh, designs that. Uh, capture your heart, uh, you know, and, uh, that, that, that walk away with you, <laughs> that, that, that's really what you, you bring is, is so, so powerful. Um, and obviously, uh, stories that you get to interact with in terms of digital storytelling is what we get to do with my brother, but Ben, what, what you've really elevated and what I want to make sure when we talk about words like, uh, just advertising, marketing, communication, that you're so much more than just a Don Draper, Ad man, as as good as uh, and as big of a fan as I was of Don Draper as a, a pitch man, you're so much more than just uh, someone that can, you know, because to me, you know, good advertisement, that just makes a bad product fail even faster because mm. everyone gets to try out how bad it is. Um, you know, the the idea the the left and the right brain, the the heart and the head, the the some of the numbers, the feasibility stuff that we've talked about in the past with folks like Economic Consulting Services, ERA, Doug and Don Stewart, you know, kind of making the the magic and the alchemy of the the numbers work, but then having that strategy and uh, you know sync up together, um, you know, similar to Bob Iger's uh, approach with Shanghai Disneyland. How how do you how do you pull off having both a left and a right uh, brain lobes fully intact? Um, uh, by being a bit of a weirdo, <laughs> by being a bit, a bit, a bit crazy, you know, um, I think, um, yeah, I've got sort of an in, in between kind of a brain, you know, I'm definitely a frustrated creative and, and I, I, I wish I was more artistically talented in terms of the ability to, 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 to draw. Um, but I'm, I'm, I've definitely got a, a you know, a conceptual cre creative mind, particularly for, you know, I, I, ideas and, and concepts. Um, but, but aren't you like the only member of your family that's not an architect or something? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I won't, I won't tell the story against my dad, uh, and his lack of encouragement for my artistic talents <laughs> in, case, in case he's listening, but, uh, yeah, my, my, my dad and several of his, um, generation are all architects or designers. My sister's an architect. She married an architect. So, uh, on the plus side, if you're ever renovating your house or doing an extension, you know, you, you, you tend to get that, uh, for free so that's you got yeah, a that's guy great. that's great <laughs> i got a guy and actually my um my, my middle daughter is a great cartoon artist and i've really I've been showing her the uh, the marvel um or what's it called 816 i think uh, the latest series about the women the women of marvel and the you know oh, the yes. correct yeah. creative energies so behind cool. that so but um but just back, back to your question I, I think it's really um you, you know you, you you're driven by you, you want to make the project successful for, for, for your clients and you, and you know that you know, marketing is a is a quite a complicated thing but if you can just try and cut through it and you say you know can we come up, come up with an, an idea that that really is compelling that would would make me you know cross the street cross the town cross an ocean to go and to go and see it you know yeah. I, I would even though we have you know great attractions here in the UK Going on a, on, a, on a vacation to Disney is, is special. Or going to my favorite park in the world, Universal, Universal Studios in Osaka, Japan. Oh, boy. That is just, it's special. It, it, it's, it's something else. It compels me to go because of the emotional experience that, that, that I'm going to have. If something's that powerful, you know, and, and, and that's special and it can have such an impact on, on families and, and, and so on, then it's worth doing the planning right, you know? Mm. It's worth avoiding mistakes, you know, putting spades in the ground is expensive you know building th it's incredibly ex expensive business whether you even, even if it's a smaller project it's still someone's hard-earned money at, at the end of the day so so I, I want the creative ideas that our team come up with 
which I love to be part of, I, I want them to stand their very best possible chance of, of, of success. And, that, and that's mm. why I like to be quite, quite diligent in the, um, in, in the number crunching as well. Well, I mean, because you're you're really defining what that is. It's going to get people to cross the pond um, before you have to then try to to peddle it or market <laughs> or sell it. And um, I don't know of anyone else in the world that's been involved with as many actual theme park and FEC uh, pre openings and openings uh, as you have been. We did we kind of didn't even talk about one of your other stints um, yet in terms of this little brick factory uh company do you mind touching base <laughs> a little bit on your time with merlin yeah well listen i'm sure there, there are many many people more more experienced to, 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 than i am but um I, I have i've been very lucky um and and yeah my, my time at merlin entertainments um uh, i got to really travel the world um uh, helping to launch uh, four theme parks was the was the challenge which uh nick set that set the business around about 2014 and 40 uh, midway sites so uh the that's two- incredible Two to three hour indoor FEC uh, effectively, and and what was nice about the about that was that uh, gave me the kind of global reach. So we were opening in in Japan, in in China, several locations in Europe, and then and then all across uh, the, the USA as well, both both coasts and, and a little bit in, in the middle as well. Just in case some of our listeners don't know Midway or FEC, kind of insidery language can you share just some of the length and breadth of the different types of uh, attractions because I, I mean you know I, I think some of the diversity of those was really a pretty you know kind of creative yeah these aren't just your uh, boomers palace park you know but <laughs> golf stuff uh, no I mean um I think both um both both those two kinds of model you know the theme park and the and and the midway and I explain what we uh, we, we mean by that a really a, a great example of working on consumer trends. So in, in the Merlin experience, working in the theme park arena, a lot of it was around creating resorts. You know, so pe- people, fam- families want to have actually more holidays throughout throughout the year. So you might have the major sort of two-week vacation, uh, but you might want to have three or four other uh, three to four-day stays throughout the year. So Merlin got really great at, you know, taking a what was a one-day theme park, you know, turn up in the morning at 9 a.m., bit of a queue, get in, leave exhausted at at, uh, 6 p.m. and and drive home, and turning that into a resort proposition, resort destination with um, multiple uh, different uh, types of uh, attraction, you know, maybe a a second theme park or water park along the main uh, park, uh, and then increasing the level of accommodation, and then having a range of accommodation from, you know, self-catering up to, you know, you know, really, really high end. So, so creating two to three days worth of, worth of experience, and that's what we were trying to do in in, in Legoland with um, the launch of the parks around the world. Now we're launching hotels with the park on the same day as in Goshen in, in New York, and now we have a Legoland water park uh, format as well, which can both sit in those sites as in Florida and California, but also be um, a standalone as in Gardaland in. In Italy, so that's that's really all about that resort uh, drive within theme parks, and then in midways, and, and of course the the, the midway is a, is a great uh, old American American fable story of the <laughs> you know the the the, cent, the center of the the state the state fair Pro- probably not the the most innocent or the most kind of culturally highbrow part of the, 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 state, <laughs> the state fair maybe maybe where more of the sort of the grungy fun w- w- was had, but that that sort of central uh, focal point. You know, midways about typically city centre or, or coastal. You know, day day long activities. Uh, but but Merlin really mastered the art of creating you know a range of different brands within Midway from from Sea Life Centre that their aquarium brand around sixty of those uh, around the world to Madame Tussauds the the wax attraction. Oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, some of those uh, lo- local, um, and then uh, Legoland Discovery Center, the indoor format of, uh, of, of Legoland, obviously, and then, and then the brand like the Dungeon, uh, so this incredible walkthrough uh, experience. So. I, I do have to be the, the nerd historian here and say, just because I just flew in from Chicago and was right uh, off the original Midway Plaisance, uh, where uh, Jackson Park, where the the you know the Devil in the White City, Chicago World's Fair was held, and that original Midway was basically a linear world showcase. That was, um, you know, that was what got adopted by the amusement industry as a as a great linear format uh, for both permanent parks like uh, Cedar Point and Kings Island and a number of other ones, and then eventually uh, the County Fair. You know, it's just a really efficient way to lay out the carny rides. But uh, it's just interesting because here in America we don't use that Midway term. Uh, in, in quite the same way as uh, kind of those uh, standalone, you know, urban entertainment, location-based attraction kind of models. 
Yeah, we're we're all learning from each other, aren't we, Mel <laughs> on, uh, and Freddie on this on this journey? So um, I've been trying to learn it ever since I went uh, camping with uh, European scouts and trying to figure out what they meant by torches. Uh, like, I want some. I want flamage. <laughs> Sounds like a Frankenstein movie. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the other um, one of the other joys that I, that I had at, at Merlin was around developing new brands, actually, and, and and that's been again really 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 helpful for not just for the Tony's work, but for a lot of our clients where you know they they might have some land, they might have a space, but they don't quite know what kind of concept, what sort of creative uh, to, to to put in there. And so at Merlin, I had the opportunity to work on the Bear Grylls uh, attraction, which is a fantastic high opting. <laughs> Uh, physical experience then the little big city which is a miniature attraction with you know high high amount of technology and uh, visual storytelling Peppa pig land which is uh, another um, fec if you like or uh, or, or midway and then a, a few other projects as, as well but that going on that whole journey from kind of conception you know to a lot of that that testing your market testing and focus groups and so on to really refining that proposition to make sure that it's absolutely crystal clear you know nick nick used to say you know i want i want one image i want a name and i want maybe 10 words and that's what i'll make a judgment on whether or not you've really nailed it how do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears stories change lives they make us remember but only when they're felt and not just heard Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit StorylandStudios.com or call now, 800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932. Storyland Studios, your big idea's best ally. This is fascinating to me. You did. You say you did four theme parks, or uh, helped to launch the four theme parks and forty FECs midways. I mean, obviously, there has to be some sort of uh, widgetizing of ta- of taking those things and making them very much the same. Like plot this, pop this in these different places. Almost like you you mentioned Walgreens. You know, you you always know what a Walgreens is going to look like. Is there? Um, that much creative going into 40 of those or is are they unique and stylized and and special for those locations not not that there's anything wrong with it but it sounds it sounds like that would be a challenge it's a really good question one of the things we we developed and and I've, i've been able to help other clients with is this idea of brand cornerstones you know, so uh, again, we'll go we'll go back to the kind of the Coke uh, analogy just to sure. try and make make the point. If you take that classic uh, glass Coca Cola bottle, you know, very, very sort of shapely, very curvy. If you drop that onto the floor and it smashes, every single shard that you pick up, you should be able to tell, and you will be able to tell it's a it's a Coke bottle because of the strength of that curvature, the shaping, and just the angle of it. Maybe even the lettering. You you can tell it comes from Coke, even though it might be a small shard of glass in your hand well it's the same with you know the, this this the rollout process or cookie cutter roll rollout sure. process so yeah you you want even though you know no no, no two buildings are, are typically the same and no two locations are, are the same and you might have to change the layout you know you might have you might need to bring people straight into a a brick factory in one location you might put them on a train that takes them through a little garden journey and a story of the lego brick in, in another location but you want that you want the feelings you want the memories you want the experiences uh, of the brand to, to to be the same so that's kind of how we how we got around that um and that's how we'll that's how we work with with our, our clients today you know we we really want the brand identity to be agreed and, and aligned very early up front in, into the project and part of that's with our big idea approach and you know, the benefit of a really big guiding principle uh, f- for the project is when you get down to those small decisions about you know going into a secondary location or a third or a 40th 
you know, yeah. you, you st- you've still got a North Star uh, that's, uh, that's guiding you. Well, that that's really exciting to me, and actually, it kind of blows my mind. Set, sets me apart, and or sets me aback, kind of thinking, thinking through. Hey, wait, that is true. That is true of the brands that I love. It's not true of the brands that I, you know, could toss away. I'm just not interested in, or at least I haven't get engaged that well with their story. Um, you guys talked about spatial storytelling, uh, or uh, strategic storytelling here in a bit. Um, can you expand? I know, I know, Mel. You walked through those those three, but uh, what does it mean when a client comes to you and says, "Hey, help us with our strategy, help us with our brand," and you turn around and say, "It's your story." I think um, we we haven't yet talked about this idea of story worlds. Okay, um, and I, I think that's probably where this this comes in. I, I think that um, man, many of our brand partners know that. We're experiencing this, you know, this you know, battle for attention. Really, it's so hard, you know, to 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 get noticed. Consumers, really, people are are absolutely in charge of the the the, the content they consume, who they who they give their attention with, and they've never had more choice than than ever before. I mean, just think for a minute about what 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 when we were all growing up, you know, maybe how many channels of TV we had. It might have been <laughs> not different, that many. In, uh, not that many. You know, when I was growing up, I think we had four channels, and I remember the fifth channel being launched, Channel Five. It was a, yeah. it was a big it was a big <laughs> moment, right? So five five TV channels. Gosh, you know, I probably have five. Uh, paid TV subscriptions in my in my house. Each of them with oh goodness me, millions yeah, of pieces of content that I, that I can be engaging with it. So that's that's what's happened. So we're in this sort of war for for attention. But but certain people and 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 storytellers in particular have shown that you can create you know worlds for people to to live in that they they will love, they will adore, they'll have a relationship and become you know incredibly passionate about over time. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe is probably the best example of that over the over the last uh, you know 10, 10, 15 years. And obviously Mel and I have had some opportunity to sort of see that um, up front. It, so so and what's interesting about about um, MCU and about Story World is it comes back to the three things that we talk to our clients about all the time. It comes back to character setting and plot. Yeah. So, so, so Marvel has uh, something like uh, 20, 30,000 characters in their in their uh, their uh, ancestry in their in, in their background probably only really activated That's a lot of people that's a lot it is of characters a lot. <laughs> it is a lot they probably only activated maybe 50 of those in in the in the characters but th- but those 50 characters are are known and loved and their stories are told in multiple different types of of, of content and and product and experience um, all, all all around the world then then in the setting the actual worlds that these stories take place in get to be really well known, whether it's the kind of the, the cosmic or, or the local, whether it's the past, um, as in going back and finding about Howard Stark's history, for instance, sure. or, 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 or the future. And then, and then the plot line, you know, of, of course, we're always trying to trying to save the world, but, but Marvel managed to bring their plots to life in, in a very relevant way, you know, different kind of di- diverse characters and diverse problems and plots that they're, that they're taking on. So, so we take all of that, that, that knowledge, that insight, and we and we we help our clients with that we, we we package it for them. So we we think about what that means. What 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 who are their characters? What are their settings? What's the plot that they're looking mm-hmm. to? Well, I think a lot of people are you know familiar with uh, you know certainly a Disney or Universal that's using these kind of globally recognized cinematic um, you know IP. But you know in in our last year, Ben, you and I we've had a chance to collaborate in geez Dubai, Singapore, uh, South America. Um, God, what do I miss? Europe, Germany, <laughs> with Europa Park. Um, when when we're creating these story worlds, um, can you speak or give a, an example of how that that specifically that that third uh, story circle of setting uh, can be authentic uh, and homegrown, uh, as opposed to needing to come from a from a Hollywood IP um, or or just licensed, uh, you know, by by the legal office. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think the work that we've done with Europa Park is a is a really good example of that. So we we, we took the germ of a of a story that was rooted in the Black Forest of of Germany with with an existing character, but that character had a, already had a, a bit of a backstory and a and, and, a, and a, a legacy. It was a, a pirate was the original original kind of character, and and we just thought about how that that origin could become 
that could become an origin, but could develop in that location and then way, way beyond that location. So one, one of the concepts we came up with was, was around time travel. So we had a, a, a fixed location-based time travel idea, um, which we call the orrery. And that, that, that um, device, if you like, allows characters to move back and forth across time and, and, and geography. But we did it in a, in a story told way where characters are coming together to actually make it work or not work or function in, in, in different kind of ways. And, and we re retained the, um, the intrinsic uh, homegrown nature of the brand uh, but by having a big idea, a, you know, a guiding principle that was all around wonder and innocence mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. kind of marveling um, at, at the at, at the beauty and the natural innocence, uh, the na natural creativity we we see around us in the in the world, and it wasn't a sort of motherhood and apple pie kind of thing. It was, you know, what um, the the good in the world is worth fighting for. Yeah, and, and 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 that was very much uh, the the direction the brand wanted to go, and, and and our storytelling was really about just just bringing it out, you know, developing it out, and uh, you know, t t creating a bigger tapestry. Yeah, it was a nice compliment because the park itself is such a to me, like such as a beautiful piece of hardware, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there literally are ride manufacturers that own this, this model showroom uh, of a park. And they've certainly, uh, in, in many cases outdone Disney in terms of the quality of the, the physical, uh, setting. Um, but, uh, again, to, to have a, a group of characters and a, a plot that, uh, people are kind of invested in emotionally mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh even when they're they're not at the park once a year uh or what have you um and even being able to go into transmedia you know whether it's uh um you know digital assets in terms of uh um something that you could stream uh whether it's on netflix or uh what have you um and, and just you know be in that story world um on days that you're you're not actually at the park that that was really such a, a great uh leap forward well i think michael mack um talks about this idea of, uh, of second layer you know revenue you, you have what goes in the park but then you know really you know even a loyal uh, guest might only be in the park for a handful of days a, a, a year so you if you have a great story you know why not why not have that story told around the country around the region or, or, or around the world and that's that's what we help um clients to do and i think it's a nice combination you know of some of our kind of hollywood storytelling background but then the fact that we've actually traveled around the world and worked in these different different locations and we can a lot of that comes down to partnering you know so if you have a if you have a great story i think we definitely learned this learned this at disney if you have a, have a great story con story content is valuable it it, it generates a, attention and, and interest right, so you can right. actually create really interesting partnerships with people on the other side of the world who might want to take your content and put their own time investment into that to, to create story content in parks in rides in dark rides and and whatever it might be and so you can kind of this orchestrate this um this ecosystem uh around the world but it but it, it all starts and ends with a great story a you know, great story great characters great great plot yeah that uh, you you mentioned bob Iger before and and how um yeah how he he you created those helped to create those story worlds underneath those giant uh individual story brands uh, but but talk to me about how you, you mentioned creating these story worlds. How do those work together to create a great uh, physical experience, like a, a real themed attraction, a land, a park, etc.? How 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 do those all work together to do that? I think it's really about you know following the the story, following the plot. Imagine you know you're, you're reading a book. Yeah. Uh, let, 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 let's say you know I grew up on uh, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And then uh, Tintin and, and Asterix. So, uh, and also just William. I loved not Asterix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me, me, me too. So um, let, let's take a C.S. Lewis example, right? So there'll, there'll be there'll be moments in those in those stories that really really stay with you. Whether whether it's you know pushing through the wardrobe for the first time, and instead of you know walking on the hard boards of a creaky British wardrobe, you know walking in a snowy um, forest glade. Um, or, or, or maybe it's what it was like to be, you know, in in the, the White Witch's castle, you know, having been tempted there with um, Turkish delight, but now oh, being yeah. trapped. You know, what, what's that like? Or, or maybe sitting on Aslan's back, you know, jumping and flying through the, the, the kind of countryside to go and rescue his people. By but, the way, if there's investors out there, we've already got the drawings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite. Um, 
the, the, those are, you know, those are high, high, high peak, they're peak moments. Daniel Kahneman, who's a, uh, my, my hero in the world of um, psychology, he talks about the, the peak end theory of, of, of storytelling. So there are two key moments in a story, the peak and then, and then the ending. That's why the endings in theme parks are really, really important. So th th those little vignettes I just talked about, they're, they're, they're peaks. I read those stories for the first time 35 years ago. I would love to have an experience where I can be physically in, immersed in that, to feel what it was like to touch, taste, feel, mm -hmm. smell, what it was like to to, to be there, to, to to recreate it, because it's it's building on something that's in, incredibly precious to me. And and so that's the that's the strategic bit around story worlds. You know, we might write a story with new characters in a in a particular location what are going to be the really resonant moments that people are going to remember forever and which might then lend themselves to you know enough uh, intrigue uh, or you know architectural interest or you know physical challenge or or, or whatever it is so yeah we, we try to be led by the story to to recreate those moments wow that's that's incredible and and we see we see that show up in so many different ways i obviously with those ips that uh are are creating lands like star wars marvel uh harry potter and things like that yeah stepping through the the hidden brick wall opening uh into diagon alley and and kind of you know putting yourself in harry's shoes you know kind of entering the magical world now you've you've talked a bit you've talked quite a bit about this but when when somebody approaches you with with the idea for like you were talking about Europa Park, well, we need something that's going to build this story for us, or um, or the like, or or it's a chocolate company that needs to tell their story better. How do those then? Yeah, let's keep it productized. How does that help a product when you're starting to see story as that core element that that communicates well to the people who you want to engage with your product, your space, your uh, story? I think each, each client, you know, is really unique. I mean, I, I think it, it helps if, if you as, a, as an organization, if you're running a, a company or a brand or whatever, it helps if you sort of know what you stand for. You know, what is it that people love about you? Um, is there any kind of What's the problem you're trying to solve for, for for people, or what's your sort of position on you know the important issues of the day, or of all the important issues of the day, which are important for your 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 customers? I think all those things are are, are important, but I think it, it's easy to overthink things as well as a as a brand owner, and to imagine that people are out there in the world, you know, worrying about you know your 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 packaging change or yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the the new the new logo on your your jar of Marmite. You know, they're not. Yeah people are getting on with their their, their days um they're getting on with their with that with their busy lives that's why i love this industry because mm -hmm. actually when we when people come to a, an experience location come to a theme park or a museum or so on you know that's precious time you know they've earned that time by working hard all, all year and they're looking for right, a, right. a memorable experience you know with their with their family, whoever they're with. And that's why we have such an opportunity uh, actually to, to impact people's um, hearts and minds and, and, and impact their, their behavior. So yeah, we do work with brands who are, who are in the, the consumer space. One of them is my old um, employer of Mars. So we're working with the M&M's the brand, biggest candy brand um, in, uh, in the world. And, and apologies, all of my British friends for using the word candy. Of course, it's chocolate. Um, <laughs> you know, M&M's actually is really all about bringing people together. It's all about belonging. You know, it's celebrating moments of joy together in, in, in whatever setting that is. You know, it's a great, great purpose. Actually, they, they've decided they want to take a stand on, you know, the kind of uh, entertainment experience that people should be should be having and they, they want that there's inclusive entertainment and there's non-inclusive they want to really prioritize inclusive uh, types of entertainment well, well, mm. well our job is to help you know translate that into the experiential world into the retail world whether it's yeah. their stores or or somebody else's what does that look like and really we're, we're, we're delivering you know fractions of, of 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 minutes it's 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 seconds it's it's minutes of time but we want to deliver an experience that that lasts, you know, that that counts, that people are going to re remember it. So 
yeah, a, a lot, of, a lot far, of work goes into that. That's far more than uh, slapping a smiley face on uh, the yellow and the red M and M. It's 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 those two are meant to be friends. You know, there's the dumb one, there's the angry one, but really they're meant <laughs> to uh, relate to both of us, to all of us, in some certain way. And I think they've had to develop that over the years in, in the branding to help help them not be repulsive, but to be somebody that you want to welcome into your home, that you want to go visit maybe in in a park and get your photo taken with. Yeah, that's that, that's right. Um, and uh, it's interesting because Mel often reminds me of this idea of surrogacy. You know, it's often it's through the characters in a story that we actually resolve some of our own problems, understand mm. some of the things that, that that we're grappling with. It's easier to read a story and identify what's happening with a character, you know, good, good or bad, or how they can over, overcome something wow. in their lives, and then talk about it than it is to say, hey, you know what, I really struggle with this. Right, and, 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 and so um, we. I was just thinking again, Mel, about um, some of the characters we we've developed, where you might have the set of heroes, but then you also have some some regular folks. You know, they're they're there for for a reason. They're not they're not just mascots. They're yes. to help people see, see themselves in the story a little bit easier. Yeah, and there's strategy behind that too of that hero story. Sometimes, uh, I mean, this is kind of again behind the veil. There's some very specific demographic psychographics that you're trying to target and hit. And oh, that uh, surrogate character just happens to be about this age and about this kind That's of right. you know <laughs> makeup and and uh, you know and those things are just uh, some of the the math behind um, kind of the the fun creative stuff we get to do. It's this conversation is killing me just because I know <laughs> so many words, but we've got uh, so much content and art and drawings that. Uh, will uh, in time uh, be able to get released from uh, various NDAs and, and processes and, and to be able to be shared with the world. But uh, so much stuff hot off the press. Loving it. Yeah, well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before we we, we break it up, though, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, one of your favorite, de- you, you mentioned uh, Universal in... Uh, Japan, in Japan, yeah. in Osaka. Um, what's one of your favorite attractions? Let's talk attractions around the world. Where have you been? Oh well, um, I've been to uh, I've been to a lot of places. Um, I, one of my the best experiences I ever had was at um, the, the, what's called the Makitarik Hotel. It's called Sleep Sleep No More is the brand name. Makitarik oh, Hotel is the location um, in New York City. There, there's one in Shanghai now uh, as well. I, I, for those of you who haven't haven't done it, it's uh, it's an evening event. It's, it takes place in a very large forty uh, odd room warehouse, um, and it's um, participative theatre. So you're stepping into a live show which is going on which is extremely mysterious it's set in the 1920s kind of prohibition era era excuse me um there are things about it which i won't reveal because i don't don't want to spoil it for people but i think just in terms of thinking about that old disney pre-show show show and post-show you know that the the build-up the expectation the the yeah the branding and the storytelling and then the the yeah the um the emotional depth the, the the weirdness the craziness the intrigue of of this uh, this experience um i think sleep no more is um is pretty fantastic it's been a super big influence on the industry and and um, really those that uh, have had a chance to experience uh, in the midst of covid uh you know restrictions the the, the stranger things uh ex- you know experience from your car somehow being able to manage to create some of that same level of uh surprise and delight and intrigue uh, in a parking garage in uh, downtown LA, it was pretty pretty stunning. And and again, a lot of that is about the detail. You know, you think about going around those rooms and the way that the props have been done. You know, what's important, what's not, and 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 the and intersection of storylines and uh, the way each each experience is unique. I think is fantastic. The other one would have to be Galaxy's Edge. I mean. Um, People say different things about it. I, I visited both Florida and California and had several days on on, on either coast, uh, getting to experience. It. I've also spent time with um, with Chris Beatty uh, a couple of times now. I met with Margaret Kerrison um, uh, and um, uh, and really got to the grips of that the creative process. I, I absolutely love it. The, what the what one reason I really really love it is that the, the smart way that they designed the land, the, the world, so that it's an intricate part of Star Wars. It's clearly part of the canon. It's mentioned in a couple of the, uh, one of the books, one of the, one of the, the, the movies, um, but it's also a, a blank canvas. So yes. when you step onto it as, as, you know, as Ben Thompson or Freddie Martin or Mel McGowan, you can be you 
playing your part in the Star Wars universe for the very first time. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you, you can be seen as as you. You're not you're not seeing um, uh, you know re- repeats of old of old movies or or scenes that you you know and love, and they get re- recreated in front of you. No, everything's new, and everything's new every day whenever you go to to the location. So. Again, that's probably my my other favorite. Yeah, that that's tremendous. One of the things that I love the most about that is you enter as a character, but um, for that Rise of the Resistance attraction, you actually change characters throughout. That uh, your your you actually go through an arc of change from uh, free from uh, from just an innocent to becoming a uh, freedom or, or a prisoner, and then you become a resistance fighter. All in this short little period of time, it's pretty cool. Yeah, ten minute hero's journey. You're in good company, by the way, on uh, Universal Japan being your favorite park. Uh, we're gonna have to get Greg Dameron uh, on the show, but he was uh, the master planner behind that, um, and uh, you know, definitely his favorite park in the world. Uh, I, got, I haven't talked to him lately because I know he worked on Universal Beijing as well, which uh, definitely could be a pretty good contender for at least a, a best Universal park. But uh, that that's just a, that perfect pairing, and especially once uh, Super Mario World opens up over there that is quite a, a great benchmark no i i just vividly remember my my walk up to to uh, universal osaka and the way that the um, i forget the name of the roller coaster but but actually comes around the, the central uh, en- en- entrance yeah, the, the hollywood dream yeah hollywood dream yeah i think they have the back lot next to the hollywood dream now and right. then the, and then and then stepping into the you know the the main street welcome one of the great things about um uh, japanese theme parks is just how incredibly enthusiastic that the, the staff uh, the, the, the cast members, they, they really understand this idea of escapism and that you are stepping into a world where everything's great. You know, you really do. You really can leave your worries at the, at the front door when you, when you enter there. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like a research trip is in order. <laughs> ben Thompson, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you, Mel. Uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Mel, Ben's conversation was really, really cool. He talked a lot about, uh, you remember about the big idea concept that you guys use at Storyland. So he likes to, he called it the North Star that sort of keeps everything on track throughout the project from the beginning to end. So let's flesh that out. Um, why is it important that a North Star is there on a project? So, and, and how does that impact, like seriously, every level of engagement throughout the project's life cycle from like a high concept attraction all the way down to a lowly hot dog cart. How, how does the North Star uh, sort of guide you in those design ideas? <laughs> well, this could be a whole dissertation, but, and I know we've yeah, talked about this in the past. I, to put it simply, I would say it just gives us our biggest um, kind of editing filter, if you will. You know, it, it just is the thing that you think of like a flower sifter or something. And this is <laughs> this is the thing that edits out all the fat, all the unnecessary, all the inconsistencies. And again, it, it can apply at so many different scales. You know, when you're having some really tough value engineering budget decisions, for example, when you're, um, you know, you're deciding which, you know, attractions, whether they're e-tickets or, you know, C-tickets are on the chopping block, you know, of, of making it to opening day. Um, you know, when Walt Disney was trying to figure out, is he going to leave Tomorrowland in or, or just defer yeah. it uh, to a future phase? You know, in his mind, he had to have a sense of, uh, hey, here you leave today and enter the world of yesterday and tomorrow. And it's just not complete without yeah. that that core optimism for the future that Walt Disney just happened to have in his in his DNA, you know, and it yeah. just wouldn't be a complete expression if it was all backwards looking or fantasy far, you know, looking. And and so he knew that it was a core. It wasn't like a, a nice to have. It was a need to have. And, and that, so yeah, I think the the North Star for us, uh, that big idea, uh, we, we like that. We think it's stronger than just the idea of theme, um, you know, or brand. Um, right, right. Because it really is something that um, comes back in those conversations uh, for years through the development yeah. process. Wow. And, and on projects that, are, that do last years, you really do need something that you can always sort of refer back to. Well, Mel, it's a, a, we have a long trip back across the pond uh, in order to get to the dock, so we better head back. What do you say? Let's do it. Until next time, thanks, Mel. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. 
We want you to know we don't take your listening for granted. We love to make this show, and we love that you love it too. Would you do us a favor? And would you give us a nice positive review on Apple Podcasts? That'll help others find the show just like you. We want to thank our guest, Ben Thompson. You can find him at storylandstudios.com or connect with him around his favorite networking watering hole, LinkedIn. Get access to more stories and interviews at themedattraction.com. Start your own profile, discuss the latest creative advancements, and interact with your fellow theme park designers around the world. Follow the action on Instagram and Twitter at themedattraction and join our active discussion group on LinkedIn. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at Skipper Freddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson, other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Barry is the author of Imagineering an American Dreamscape, The Genesis, Evolution, and Redemption of the Regional Theme Park. This book tells the epic stories of regional theme parks and the strong-willed visionaries behind them. Some of the stories you may have heard, most you probably haven't, and it is a fascinating tale to tell. It's available to purchase on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or direct from the publisher at rivershorecreative.com. You know, Mel, Barry came to me the other day a little down in the mouth. He said some of the other podcast producers were making fun of the way he tells his jungle jokes. I decided to help him feel a little better, so I said, don't worry about what other people say. They're not laughing at you. You're just not funny. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>